This is the day that the Lord has made. Please stand with me and let us join together in the call to worship. We come joyfully to the house of the Lord. We We offer this time as an act of devotion to God. Let us celebrate God's love with our voices and our lives. Page 204 in the black hymnal. God, we think of ourselves as your children. We've been taught that that is who we are. We give you thanks. 
that we have been created in your image, however diverse we are in skin color or nationality or language or intellectual capabilities or success in the workplace. Whatever might be the things that make us diverse, we are one people through the power of your spirit. And again, we give you thanks for that. We pray that you would help us find our way forward as a human family to treat one another as brothers and sisters. In our own country and around the globe, we need to learn the ways of peace, of love, and of grace. And it is our intention as disciples of Christ to be leaders in that quest. Help that to be so for us. Give us the opportunity in our neighborhoods and our communities to be people of love, people of peace, people who work for justice. Help us to be people of compassion who find ways to extend hands and hearts to help uplift another life. May your ministries through this church lay and ordained be of consequence to your kingdom. We pray this all in the name of Christ Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. for us all to, uh, for you to join me at uh, the choruses of verses 2 and 3. Uh, this is Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, and it is uh, hymn 351 in your hymnals. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble Oh, 
life to me. Whom have I on earth beside me? Whom in heaven but thee? Oh, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scriptures. Our reading is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 4, verse 14, through chapter 4, verse 2. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with utmost patience in teaching. This is the word of God for God's people. Thanks be to God.
join me in a moment of prayer? Awesome and almighty God, we thank you for this day where we remember those that gave us our foundation in faith. We remember to rely on your holy word as inspired by you and living to this day. And we ask you to give us faith and confidence to share our faith in ways that profoundly proclaim your truth to a world in need. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Tomorrow marks the 10-year anniversary of Randy Pausch delivering his last lecture at Carnegie Mellon University. How many of you guys know who Randy Pausch is? All right, there's a few more hands at this service than there were at the last service. Um, Randy Pausch was a professor at Carnegie Mellon, and that school had a lecture series called The Last Lectures, where they went up to individuals who had, had inspiring classrooms in general and said, if you had to teach your last lecture on something that you are passionate about, what would you say? Now, unbeknownst to Randy, when he was invited to do this lecture, he didn't know that he had terminal cancer. He knew that he had cancer and he had been fighting it, but a month before his sermon, he was told that it was terminal and he only had a short period of time to live. So all of a sudden, his, sermon, or his lecture that was just a flight of fancy became much more important to him. What message do I want to give what message do I want to share with the students who gather in this place that night? That night, 400 people gathered in the lecture hall, and they immediately gave him a standing ovation before he even started to lecture. And he looked at them and said, make me earn it. And they said, you already have. But he said, please, let's hold off. And then he gave his sermon. I call it a sermon, it was a lecture, but it, it, speaks to, uh, it speaks to my heart about who we're supposed to be of people of faith, which is why I probably keep referring to it as a sermon instead of a lecture. But he, the main points of his sermon were to pursue your childhood dreams, whatever they may be, help others to pursue their dreams, and learn lessons along the way. Pausch's lecture ended with this statement, it's not about how you achieve your dreams, or it's not about how to achieve your dreams, it's about how to lead your life. If you lead your life in the right way, the karma will take care of itself, the dreams will come to you. And now, as Methodists, we don't really talk about karma too much, but the message is the same. If we live our lives as people who know the message of God, who know the love of Christ in our hearts, the way that we live in the world will allow our dreams and God's dreams for us to be man made manifest in ways that are real and powerful. I share this story with you because in some ways, this reading that we had this morning from Paul to Timothy is very similar to a last lecture. Paul knew that his days on earth were coming to a close, and he wanted to prepare a person who was serving in a role of leadership and a community for what was to come. He wanted to make sure that they were ready for the journey that was ahead. And his message was, remember who have grounded you in faith, who have taught you and helped you to learn and grow in the ways of God. Remember that the Bible, the scriptures, are the inspired word of God that continue to live to this day. And remember that you need to go out and teach that truth to others. When I think about who were the foundations of my faith, I think to someone that I never actually had an opportunity to know, my great-grandmother, who was a United Methodist deaconess, and served in the church when they said that women weren't allowed to be pastors, but said, I have something that God has placed in my heart. And she wrote poetry and books to help people grow in their faith. 
I have one of her uh, devotional books in my office that I'll be happy to share and show to anyone who wants to see it. But it gives you an alphabet of scripture lessons. It gives you ways to learn. And the way that I know about her and about these is that she went through, while she was watching her grandchildren over the summers, to go through those scripture lessons. And those scripture lessons were passed down to me through my father, which now I have the opportunity to know. I think of my choir directors when I was wee and we hadn't started moving too much yet, teaching me songs of faith that I would go around the house singing at the top of my lungs. I'm sure I was driving my parents a little bit crazy because I now see Maya loving to sing everything that she wants to tell us about. And while I love hearing her joy for living, sometimes I need to go, can you just tell me without singing it? That's okay. I don't want to take away her fire, though. I think about my junior high Sunday school teacher. My family moved around a lot when I was little, and we didn't have that consistency of church home for a lot of my growing up age or period. My parents are still in the same church that I grew up in and we started going to when I was 13. And Mike King is the one that really taught me how to open my Bible, how to look through the pages, how to find what I was looking for, and how to read in such a way that I might see how God was speaking in my life. I think about my sister-in-law, who was not my sister-in-law at the time, but the youth director down the street while my brother was in college, knowing that her youth program was vibrant and my church didn't have one, so I said, I need to go be fed. So I'm going to go learn from her. And in the process, I learned how to love without end and to respect and welcome everybody into the fold. I think of my first dean in seminary, who actually wrote that opening hymn that we sang this morning. Um, I had respect for him, number one, because he can rhyme, so, rhyme words to meter, which is something that I don't comprehend, but that's okay because I don't need to do what he does. I just have to appreciate what he does. And he taught the same ways those words speak, that we're supposed to have a faith that is informed, a faith that is powerful, and to recognize that differences of opinions, while they might take some while to merge together, all hopefully flow to the same place of bring, bringing glory to God. And if you didn't see that, I encourage you to go back into the song and read the last, the last uh, verse again, because that talks just about that. Mm -hmm. These are just a few of the many people that I can name who helped give me the foundation of faith. For each and every person here, we have a different set of people who gave us that foundation. Even if your siblings are in this midst, you have different people who have led you along the way. And that is a great gift because it shows us that we have many different streams coming together to bring glory and honor to our Lord. But we're also taught that scripture is the inspired word of God and that it can speak to us today. How it spoke, speaks to us today may be different than how it spoke to us 10 years ago, may be different than how it speaks to us 10 years from now, and that's okay. If our second and third graders were here, I'd be looking at them saying, please read your scripture often. And if you hear a story that you go, oh yeah, I know that, we've told that in Sunday school tons of times, please go back and read it again, because God may be saying something new to you. God may have some new message for you, and that is a great gift. For me, an example of that is the parables that Jesus tells in Luke of the lost sheep and the lost coins. He tells the story of, the, of having 100 sheep and realizing that one of them is missing, leaving the 99 behind and going in search for the one. And when he finds that one, he brings it back to the fold, and they celebrate the fact that one that was lost is found. And then he tells the story of a woman who has lost a coin in her house, and she takes the time to clean every inch of her house until she finds that coin. And again, she celebrates because that coin is found. When I originally heard that story, and probably for the first dozen times or so that I heard it, I went, oh, this is a story about celebrating when someone comes to know God. And that was of great joy to me. And then, as I was preparing for a sermon one Sunday, I looked at it afresh and new, 
And all of a sudden I went, wait, that sheep was lost out there. And that coin was lost within one's home. It is possible we do be lost in the world and community and not to have a support system, but it's also possible we be lost while sitting in a household of faith, feeling like you don't know where God is in your life. You don't know how God is working. You don't know how God is speaking, but we celebrate and we wanna search you out as well and walk alongside you so that you might see how God is true and active in your life. Whether you're lost out there or lost out he or in here, God celebrates when you see how he is stirring and working in your life. <laughs> Thank you, Nen. Uh, and then it encourages us to teach. That's the part that usually stumbles us a little bit. We go, wait, wait, wait. I wasn't called to be a pastor. That's not who I am. I'm not supposed to be the one that teaches. But here's the reality. God speaks to each of our hearts differently. And while you may not be called to be up here and preach on a regular basis, we're encouraged to proclaim God's truth to the people of the world. Share our faith, as the choir talked about this morning, in ways that are made tangible for others, in ways that are important, in ways that are relevant. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always. When necessary, use words. <laughs> and there are times where we forget that the ways that we live our lives are just as profound, if not more profound, than us standing on a street corner proclaiming every scripture lesson that we've ever learned to people who are walking by. I, there, there's a reason why they say you win more flies with, no, I'm not gonna get that phrase right. <laughs> Um, we win more people over with sweetness than we do with, with, with bitterness is basically the point that I'm getting at. Yes, exactly. You catch flies with honey. Um, there are times where we need to not be abrasive in the way that we share the message, but live our lives in the way that people say, what is different about you? You have something that I want. And then you have the opportunity to say, well, let me tell you why I live the way I live. And for each of us, that's going to be made manifest in different ways. For some of us, it's going to be working with the after-school programs for many mansions. For some of us, it's going to be helping Angie out in the program that she's going to talk about in a couple minutes for a mission moment. For others, it could be like Jeff Valjean, who, who is called to, to live his life in such a way that the ways that he coaches football helps others to know God's love. Each of us is going to be different. And each of us, have a way that we can instruct the Lord. My daughter Maya contracted chickenpox about two years ago, which when you have the chickenpox vaccination, you don't really expect it to happen too often. And since she had the first round of the vaccination, she had a really minor case of it. A total of five chickenpox showed up, but it was enough to keep her out of school. And it was one of those weeks that I had to preach, so I was sitting there going, oh, I'm at home, I love spending time with my daughter, but I could be doing this, I could be doing that, I could be doing this. And instead, I watched Kung Fu Panda 3, <laughs> Kung Fu Panda 3 on repeat. <laughs> and I was sitting there going, this is not helping me at all. And then I remembered someone saying, sometimes it's the things that distract us that help us learn what we need to learn. Not the things that we think we need to do, but the things that prevent us from doing the things that we need to do. And about the fifth watching of this, this movie, and that wasn't the last time, about the fifth watching of the movie, I had my aha moment. For those of you who don't know about Kung Fu Panda or Kung Fu Panda 2 or Kung Fu Panda 3, I'm not gonna tell you all about them, but to tell you that over the course of the movie progression, Poe, who is a panda, um, lives in a community where there's no other pandas. But he lives in a community that is devoted to kung fu. Could you have guessed that? Um, and he has the dream and the aspiration of being the kung fu warrior. Or the dragon warrior, my bad. To be the dragon warrior. And by accidental providence, he ends up in that role. And he has a large learning curve. 
Over the course of the next two movies, he learns about himself. And in the third movie, his master says that it's time for him to retire so that he can go on with his learning. And Poe's like, no, 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 no. I'm not the teacher. You're, you're putting me in charge? Why don't you put Tigress in charge? No, you are the dragon master. You are the one who is supposed to be teaching. And Poe takes on this responsibility and fails miserably. That night he is walking, contemplating what's going on in his world, hearing people grumbling about the ways that he failed that day, and he runs across his master. And, his ma and he says to him, I don't know how to be like you. And his master says to him, I'm not trying to teach you to be like me. I'm trying to teach you to be the best you possible. And that's something important for all of us. That was my aha moment. My job as a pastor is not to make you think like me. It's not to make you think like Walt. It's to make you think and to use the resources at hand so that God can use you in ways that instruct others as well. We have the opportunity to share God's message. But the reality is when we think back to the beginning of the sermon and we talk about how all of us have had different teachers, all of us read the scripture differently, all of us are gonna hear God differently as well. But that is a gift because we are stronger through differences and disagreements. There may be times that you disagree with me and there will be times that I disagree with you. But when we can get together and talk about it and allow our hearts to be open for the fact that the Holy Spirit may be doing something new for us and through us, we may see a new reality that was not made possible otherwise. And those two divergent viewpoints converge to the glory of God. And that is a great opportunity. John Wesley has a quote. For those of you who are counting the number of times I look at my notes, this is number two. <laughs> um, John Wesley has a quote. Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. Without all doubt, we may. And that is the truth. While we may not think alike, we can love alike. We can remember that the world is created of God's children and that we are called to see them as God's beloved children and to help share God's message of truth, love, and grace with them as well by listening to the ways that the scripture is speaking to us this day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. So we've moved the offering period to after the prayers and the scriptures and the sermon, because in, in our theology of worship, the offering is a time set aside in the service for us to begin our response to what we have heard God's word for us to be in worship. And we do that through our offering, the taking of our offering. And we also do that in our, our meditations. While the offertory is playing, your mind starts to wander. And perhaps it's going to be wandering towards uh, something that God is prompting, rather than the grocery list or whether there's enough gas in the car to get to work tomorrow. The hope is that in worship, God is alive and present and dynamic. And so in this time of reflecting upon what you've heard, you'll start to feel a nudging, a prompting by the Spirit to look at something or to go in a direction that perhaps is, is different for you. Maybe it'll just be an underscoring of a place where you've gotten to and makes you more resolute in that. The offering is a rich time in which we encounter the Spirit and we think about what God might be leading us towards. Now, on occasion, I think it's once a month, our Outreach and Social Concerns Committee um, is gonna help us with a, a special prompt on what it might be that we would be engaged in, uh, an invitation on how the Spirit uh, 
might, might want us to move. And so I'm inviting Angie to come forward and uh, share with us a, a very important word which might actually stir our compassion. Good morning. Um, I'm here to talk to you about School on Wheels. Um, School on Wheels is a nonprofit organization. It's very local, based here in Southern California. And our mission is the educational advancement of homeless children. Um, you may be surprised to hear that um, there's, a, there's such a thing as a homeless child. Uh, you don't normally see them. In fact, they're, they're quite hidden in plain sight. Uh, California actually has one of the highest rates of childhood homelessness in the country, second only to Alaska and Hawaii, but they kind of all trade off. Uh, these children live in pay-by-the-hour, pay-by-the-night motels, which you can imagine are not great places for kids to be hanging out, um, on the streets, in cars, RVs, um, local shelters, couch surfing. <laughs> Um, transitional housing facilities, like many mansions, which was mentioned. Uh, group foster facilities really all over the place. None of it is great, let's be honest. Homeless families will move on average about three to four times a year. And every time they move, the children will fall behind about three to four months in their schooling. The constant change of school and friends, teachers and material has a huge effect on their education. So you can imagine that these kids fall behind very quickly. Um, just yesterday, actually, I, I ended up uh, spontaneously driving out to meet Matthew. Matthew is in the fifth grade. Uh, I sat down to work with Matthew um, after his mother had called me. And um, Matthew, Matthew can't read. Matthew's in the fifth grade. And he could not sound out the letters of the alphabet. Um, there's no learning disability that we're aware of. There wasn't one based on my knowledge and our brief contact that I could, that I could see. Um, and unfortunately, it's, it's not uncommon for our kids to really keep moving up in grades and be missing a lot of these foundations that are so important to them. Um, this is where School on Wheels comes in. So School on Wheels does a few things, um, really whatever is in our power to help these kids. The first thing we do is we provide unlimited amounts of backpacks and school supplies, especially now at the beginning of the school year. So in the past month, um, I'm really happy to say I was able to distribute more than 700 backpacks to schools in Ventura County alone. So every school district in Ventura County hopefully has their School on Wheels backpacks, um, and that's always a great, a great joy to be able to, to distribute those. Those are all donations coming from uh, local church communities, uh, Girl Scout troops, companies, corporations in the area uh, that help us out with that. So that's always great to see. Uh, the second thing that we do is provide one-on-one -on -one academic tutors. These are our volunteers and kind of the heart and soul of our organization. We have a very small staff, about 30 people, but we work every year with about 3,000 volunteers. These are just regular people like you and me who are willing to give an hour of their time once a week to meet with a child or a teenager sit down with them, and see what's going on at school. Now, as you know, those of you that have kids or grandchildren, um, kids don't always want to do their homework, uh, homeless or not, right? Um, so a lot of the times, these tutors end up being more mentors than anything else. That one person in this kid's life that's not paid to be there. You know, these kids are surrounded a lot of the time with social workers and counselors and whatnot. But here you have this one person that says, I'm not paid to be here. I'm here because I want to be, because I want to spend my time with you, and I want to guide you, and I want to help you. Um, so that's a really valuable part of our organization, and it's my favorite part, because I get to meet the kids, I get to meet the volunteers, and I get to put them together, and watch those relationships grow over the years, if possible. The final thing that we do is we have a great scholarship program, especially in the last two or three years, um, and we use the, the funding from the schol these scholarships to help the kids out with anything from um, a soccer uniform, to writing lessons, to getting them a laptop, which they often need for school these days. Um, so really anything that we can do to kind of bridge that educational gap that might exist and give them some, some more opportunities. Um, what I'm asking for today is not much, I hope. Um, if you're interested in, in volunteering with us, I'd be thrilled and you'd be very welcome. Um, of course, offerings are always very great to have. Um, 
But mostly I ask for your prayers today. Um, you know, if you're going through your day, maybe say a quick prayer for one of our kids or our teenagers that probably don't know where they're going to be sleeping tonight in our community. All right. Thank you very much. Wow, huh? Maybe the Spirit is prompting you through Angie, maybe through Rachel's words, challenging you to become your best self with how that Spirit might blossom that within you. Whatever it is, I encourage you to help support the ministries of this church by underwriting those ministries with your generosity. And the ushers will now help us with that. God, we thank you for our lives. We thank you for the gifts and graces that you have bestowed upon us, our industry, our good choices. We thank you that we are fortunate people who have shelter and food, vocation, family love, community standing. We think of those who live on your margins. We pray for them. We pray that they may be touched by your spirit and touched by people's compassion. We pray that they may be helped forward to blossom 
fully into the lives that you would have for them. And so today, we think through this offering of the ways in which your church makes a difference. And we pray that you might help us to make that difference by multiplying the power of this offering which we bring to your altar into works of love and compassion. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, guys. someone near us as we receive our benediction and extra rooted in love nurtured in love go forth in love confident that the God created you in love the Christ who meets you with love and the Holy Spirit who goes with you in love goes with you today and every day amen, amen.